Hey guys, welcome back to the Rose Room where we have unfiltered discussions about movies, games, TV, anime, all that good stuff and more. Now today I'm going to be going over a topic that I'm actually keeping on a roll over here and that's about Kingdom Hearts. And the reason why I'm doing this is because Kingdom Hearts is coming out again in 2019 and I am in like... I am in shock that it's actually coming out because it's been put on hold for so long. But now that I know when it's actually coming out, I'm definitely going to get it. And I'm going to sh- go through all this so I can wind up informing anybody who hasn't played it and people who have played it. I can inform them exactly how everything is for each and every game. Make sure you understand the story of it and to the best of my abilities. Now, what I'm hoping to get across in this is just the knowledge to help people, you know, go after Kingdom Hearts 3 when it comes out for PlayStation and for Xbox. So, now to jump into things. Now, Chain of Memories was released in 2004 for Game Boy Advance. Now, Game Boy Advance is a console that nobody actually thought that Kingdom Hearts would ever go to, considering that its counterpart, Kingdom Hearts 1, basically was for PlayStation 2, and that was just an amazing graphical game at that time. That was just phenomenal. Um, So to flip it over to a Game Boy Advance style where it was 2D and it wasn't really as impactful inside the um, gameplay as the actual game is for Kingdom Hearts 1, it's really, I think, a good adaptation for a handheld, personally. But a lot of people didn't really like it because of how much it changed. Now, uh, the gameplay was changed from a 3D, like, real-time fighting thing. Kind of like a real-time version of Final Fantasy VII. If you didn't have to do turn-based strategy. It was really good and amazing at the time for it to come out so fluidly. And... It'd be fast-paced, or as fast-paced and complex as it was. Now, for this one, the card-based strategy was, I think, complex, which was great. In my opinion, I thought it was awesome how they did this, and it wasn't that bad of a concept to put into a video game, especially when it was the Game Boy. Like, couldn't really do much when it came to fighting. There's no 3D on Game Boys. So, (laughs) um... Now, it didn't do as, I think, well as they hoped on the handheld. It did good at first, but I'm saying overall, in length of time, it didn't do as good due to the fact that it was so different than the actual PS2 game. Now, after a while, people decided, you know what, I'd rather play this if this was on a console, I'd rather they started bringing up different types of rumors themselves that, you know, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, and it actually took place. And after a while, they took it from the Game Boy Advance and then turned it into a 3D version for the console of P- uh, PS2 in December of 2008. Now, exactly why they did it, I personally believe it was the fans. That's exactly what I searched up and what I found. It was the fans that wanted that were really wanting it, requesting it, and then they decided to do it overall after a period of time, especially after um, Kingdom Hearts 2 came out inside the span of 2004, 2008, if I'm not mistaken. It came out in either 2006. 
2007 or uh, to late 2006 or early 2007. Um, the ad- the the um, 3D adaptation of it was, I think, phenomenal in the fact that it kept true to the Game Boy Advance version and then just put it into full 3D effect with no type of mess-ups. Like, it looked exactly like it belonged in Kingdom Hearts 2 or Kingdom Hearts 1. Actually, Kingdom Hearts 2 because Kingdom Hearts 2 had better graphics. It was just amazing. So, they introduced a new enemy, which is Organization 13. And it was its own separate group that winds up causing mayhem. That's, I'm going to get into that in a second. But uh, Organization 13 is the evil guy of this story. And it takes place in a place called Castle Oblivion. Now, I'm going to get more into that when I talk about the story itself. But as I said, for the game changes, for, um, I'm going to say both of them, for the Game Boy Advance and for the console release of PlayStation 2, uh, I would say the changes from 3D to, um, to 2D was not that great, but it, they did pretty well for what it was when it comes to the Game Boy Advance version. And then the change again from the Game Boy Advance to 3D, so 2D from 3D again, it was just a flawless transition, honestly. A tr- flawless transition from 3D uh, to 2D and then 2D back to 3D with a boom. Now, other than that, it was the card-based fighting. That definitely was a huge change. And it was basically high card wins between you and your opponent. And you can do things called slates, which is put three cards together. So whoever has the biggest like number wins still in that. There were special aspects to it because inside this game, you were able to also play a second story after you beat the first one. And that was with Riku. And once again, I will get to that when I speak about the story. I just want to make sure I go over everything so that you can get prepared and know what I'm talking about when I name each thing. So for the character-wise, we're talking about the main characters at first, which is Sora, Donald, Goofy from Kingdom Hearts 1. We have Mickey. He's actually shown, I think, at some point inside the game towards the end, full body, not like, you know, in shadow like he was at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1. Or um, in the beginning of this game, he's not really shown at all. He's mostly just heard. And <clears throat> it was, he looks amazing. I'm just, if, if you think Mickey looks cute, just like normal Mickey, when you see him inside this, he looks badass and cute. Now, you like think, yeah, I, I, I can picture that. I can picture it. Yeah, you can picture it. But seeing it is so much freaking better. You know, if you haven't seen anything about Kingdom Hearts, definitely look up Mickey because. I loved his outfit. It was so badass. And it just fit him so well. Um, now, with that, we have Riku. He's also a main story line in this. He has his own story. Uh, he has the enemy, of course, of Ansem. And if you've played Kingdom Hearts 1, you know that he was the enemy of that. And him and Riku had ties. And if you want to catch more about that, just look at my other podcasts for Kingdom Hearts 1 and you can I guess fill in the blanks with what I tell you and inform you about about their relationship and so on and so forth uh there's also a mysterious man named Diz uh Kyrie's back in this but it's not actually Kyrie herself I'll explain that also Namine is a new character she's actually 
Oh, what a memory witch is what you can call her. She has control over memories of whoever's inside Castle Oblivion and so on and so forth. Um, I'm not totally positive it's only... No, it's not only Castle Oblivion. She just has the power of people's memories in general. Uh, Axel, which is the Organization 13 member, and he is my favorite character in the whole entire Kingdom Hearts series. I'm telling you that now. He is so freaking badass. I love his personality. He's just... Oh, just amazing. If you don't know anything about him, go on YouTube. Just search up, like, Axel from Kingdom Hearts, and they'll have a whole bunch of, like, you know, movies with, like... Uh, music and stuff like that with him being just all badass and game wise it's just so great just definitely do that um larkseen which is another organization 13 member she's uh basically a sadist and she just starts problems it's it's kind of something that's seen a lot but the way they did it and then just her character look it, it was really good i i actually enjoyed the character uh marluxia is another character. He's the big bad boss of the game. We'll get into that more. Vexen's another boss character. Now I'm just going to let you know. Uh, all, all Organization 13 members is what I'm saying. And also they were all bosses. So that's kind of common sense. But I'm just going to let you guys know that. Uh, a guy named Lexius. Another guy named Zexion. And there's something called a Riku replica. Made by, um, if I'm not mistaken, Vexen. He's a scientist, so he wound up uh, creating a clone of Riku himself and trying to replicate his powers through you know, basically science. So uh, through the memories that he's being fed by Namine, which I'm going to get more into, uh, he's able to act like Riku or think he's Riku. Um, now, when it comes to story-wise... There's two different stories in this game. There's one that's held by Sora himself and then one that's held by Riku. Now, Riku himself is only unlocked once you beat the game. And it's actually not that difficult to beat the game. I'm just going to let you know that now for the PlayStation 2 version. Unless you're playing on higher difficulties, now that becomes more complicated. But if you're playing for the uh, Game Boy Advance, the game is pretty simple and pretty easy. It's um, just... High card wins. So basically, you create your deck of cards with higher numbered cards. And there was ways to get around that with the Game Boy Advance, especially with Game Shark, like um, little thing cartridges that you used to put. It was just crazy. Um, now, with the story of Sora, he basically goes um, at the end of number one, where they catch Pluto and then wind up reading it and they find that it's from king mickey and king mickey tells them that uh there's darkness is added again basically forces are going after the darkness in kingdom hearts itself so they wind up following um and when i say them it's sora down on the goofy wind up following a winding road uh following a man that they saw that's dressed in a black hooded cloak now they start moving for that and they find a massive fortress now that fortress is called castle oblivion now this is the main actually this is the only area in the game basically and that everything that happens in the game is held inside this like castle itself now this castle is a really important storyline of kingdom hearts and that's found out later on inside uh, 
King Hearts Birth by Seep, and when we get up to that, I'm going to end up explaining a lot more of why Castle Oblivion is so important, and we're going to keep going with it, and hopefully by the end of that, because I'm telling you right now, I have not played 2.8, and I'm trying to get that real, real soon. Hopefully by the time we get to that point, I'm going to wind up owning it and beating it ASAP. Um, <clears throat> now... After they wind up getting to this castle, they wind up deciding to go in. And when they go in, they find out that they themselves have forgotten everything when it comes to fighting. They themselves know what to do, but they can't do it because of the castle itself. Now, he's basically reverted to his PlayStation 2 version in Kingdom Hearts 1. Not very good in the situation that he's in. Especially since his teammates, Donald and Goofy, disappeared. When he wound up going into a replica of Traverse Town. Now, if you don't know what Traverse Town is, go check my last podcast. I talk a little tiny bit about it inside the Kingdom Hearts 1 game. Or look on YouTube itself or search it up on the wiki. And you'll find out a little bit more about Traverse Town and exactly the significance behind it. But it is in Kingdom Hearts 1, and there's a replica of it in Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Now, this is basically a tutorial world for both games. And it's really, it's not really number one. It's like the after tutorial, the after world for the tutorial. Um, inside Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, this is the tutorial world. And you wind up learning how to fight in the new card-based strategy um, game that they have. It's basically RPG fighting style of whoever has the hard card wins. Uh, it's not bad at all. I actually liked it. A lot of people disliked it because of the rapid change from the norm. But we already talked about that. And we're going to continue back into the story. Now... Once you find out how to actually play the different mechanics behind it, you wind up going through Traverse Town and you start going through very familiar places throughout it. And the only way to get there is to have these special cards, which is given to you by an Organization 13 member, a hooded cloak guy, and he gives you the card to different worlds. Now, once you have those cards, you have to traverse through each and every town or world that you go to. It's basically a small collection of rooms that you go to, room for room. And the only way to get through each door in every room is to have a specific number of cards and certain colors depending on the door. And some doors are special story doors. And those story doors, you need special story cards. Or else you can't get there until you go to the previous one. Now, that's more explained if you want to go watch it in a YouTube video. It's better to um, see that. Then to explain it, because that's the most that I know how I can explain it. Uh, <clears throat> but the story is about go them going through all of that, just so they can wind up find, uh, finding out who they realize mid-game is a per one of their old friends, quote-unquote. And it turns out that later on that this isn't one of their friends, but throughout the whole entire thing, this person, a.k.a. Namine is changing Sora's memories in order to better suit Organization 13's plans because she is a slave to Organization 13. Now, they found out that she has power over his memories, and since he is a Keyblade bearer, 
and he's really important to the grand master of Organization 13's plan. Basically, or sorry to say, this Organization 13's plan because this is a special faction, and the big bad boss in this one is, um, you know, Marluxia, but to the plan itself, so they can wind up overturning Organization 13 itself, so they can, so Marluxia himself can become number one, and they can be the head honchos. Now, <clears throat> this was a coup happening under. I guess, like, the disguise of trying to get Sora or trying to, you know, do the plan, the major overall plan, and that's more explained inside the next podcast, which is going to be about Kingdom Hearts 2, which goes into a lot more detail and explains so much more about uh, Organization 13, the rise and the fall. Um, they're trying to get Kingdom Hearts themselves so they can be all-powerful. They want to get, um, if I'm not mistaken, they want to get hearts in order to um, be more powerful or whatnot. It's really confusing. You're going to have to play it. I'm definitely going to say you're going to have to play it. It's a great game, and it's out for PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation 4. So and You can wind up getting emulators for it on your freaking computer. Just definitely try it if you get it. So the whole entire time they're going after Sora, they're trying to test his metal really so that way they can defeat him themselves but he keeps on getting past every single person they throw at him at first it's like scene and then he fights vexen at one point uh sends him packing he fights from he fights marluxia of course but he fights like scene the most throughout the whole entire thing i think you fight like scene three times Two or three times you fight Vexen, I think once or twice, and that's about it. And then you get to Marluxia, and then it goes all ham at the end. And then you fight Marluxia like two or three times. It's good. It's awesome. Inside that whole entire thing, it's basically he's forgetting his memories because inside Castle Oblivion, the more you remember or try to remember, the more you forget. And thanks to Namine, he's gonna lose all his memories. And only think of Namine and saving her just so that he can go to her. She's actually drawing him to her. That's, once again, the key behind their plan so they can wind up being head honchos at Organization 13. There's really nothing else except the self explanatory. You go through the whole entire thing to try to get to the end. The story is he's just trying to save Namine, and then he finds out Namine betrayed him, and. Nominee is the one that tells him the truth. Uh, he fights replica of, I guess, Riku a couple of times. Uh, so that plays a role inside the story. And at the end, he basically forgets almost everything except what was left by Nominee. And he decides with Nominee, after beating Marluxia, to step into a chamber. So that way, over time, he can reconstruct, or she can reconstruct his memories. She just has to actually watch over his body now at the end you find out that now this is the actual riku and not the replica riku who's wind up helping him out and they try to um protect his body so that way he can wind up collecting his memories in time now you find out once again more about that inside the next podcast which is going to be about kingdom hearts 2 which explains this more and it explains everything after 
he went to sleep. Or not everything exactly, but mostly everything. We'll talk about that actually at the end of the next episode because there's going to be another episode after that explaining uh, another handheld version of the game. And that's Kingdom Hearts 356 over 2 or 358 over 2 or something like that. I'll, I'll get the details. I'm really bad at remembering names, but I know it's a number. It's, it's a number. <laughs> that winds up explaining more about the Organization 13 uh, and why Sora is even more important than you know anybody realizes. Now, at the end of the game, once you beat Malusha, you wind up going into the thing, all that crap. It switches over to you getting the option to play with Riku. Now, Riku's game is really different when it comes to the fighting style because in this one, you can actually lose your cards and you don't really get gain them back, I think, until they refresh your cards at a certain point, which is bad. It's a lot more difficult. It's really, really thrilling once you actually get into it and you play on harder difficulties for the console version it's more fun i'm really really trying to like get used to this it's, my anxiety is still kicking in but um back to the story wise he's fighting his way through um himself basically his inner thoughts with the help of king mickey king mickey is actually an orb that speaks to you most of the time and he's guiding him through Castle Oblivion, the basement of Castle Oblivion, so that way he can control his darkness. Now, his enemy from the get-go, you find out, is Ansem, of course, because of, once again, the relationship they shared inside Kingdom Hearts 1. Now, he goes through this whole entire thing, learning how to control this darkness by facing trials and tribulations, where he has to fight, um, if I'm not mistaken, he has to fight Sora, a replica of Sora, or Shadow of Sword, or something like that. He also has to fight um, Riku himself, the replica. He fights Ansem a b bunch of times. He has to fight uh, Vexen. He fights Zexion, Lexius. I'm not sure if he really fights anybody else other than that. But he meets this guy named Diz, who's a mysterious man, who you find out more about inside Kingdom Hearts 2. He's... Uh, he plays an important role, a very, very important role in everything. So um, if you really want to find out more about him, listen to my next podcast that's going to be coming up because that's going to talk more about him as well. At the end of this one, he basically fights Ansem, wins, accepts the darkness and embraces it. But when uh, he does... He has a Jekyll and Hyde complex where if he, his eyes are open and he sees the world, basically, he manifests into the form of darkness, which makes him or turns him into the look of Ansem. But if he puts on a blindfold and shields his eyes, he winds up containing the darkness and looks like himself. He just can't see with his eyes. So he learns how to actually fight, I guess, through just, you know, instinct itself. It's really hard to describe. They don't really describe it themselves too, too much. But it's just the way that the feel that you get when you actually, actually play the game and watch him. Now, at the end of that, when he le actually learns how to contain it, it goes more into the ending of it and explains a little bit more about the, their side and 
what's happening and why everything's falling apart for Organization 13 or this faction of Organization 13 that's um, starting a coup. Now, the underline of this whole entire evil organization um, coup for Organization 13, the leader of Organization 13 himself had a feeling of it and sent, or not really him himself, I think it was his lackey who had the feeling that they were up to something, so they sent Axel himself to spy on this faction and weed his way through so that way he can feel they can feel like he's a part of them or one of them not really a part of them one of them and pull him into the plan and tell him stuff and you know get the information he's basically a mole and he does that he winds up putting everybody in their place at one point he fights you know uh i think vexen did he fight or did he kill he kills vexen i think he had a, a conversations with a bunch of people I haven't played it in a while, excuse me guys, I'm going off the top of my head right now because I want to bring you authentic me and not really reading off of something. So, it's if I do a pause, it's because I'm trying to think and excuse me for that. Itself, the Riku version, I really, really liked. I really, really liked the fact that you can play as Riku. I just wish at that point that it was more of a 3D aspect in the uh, real-time fighting that was inside number one than it was... For this, which is card-based strategy, don't get me wrong, you can move around real-time, it's just the attacks would have to be selected by card. It wasn't like, you know, when you press a button, you fight, or you press a button, you block, something like that. You can use combos and stuff like that. Nope, nope, and it was not like that at all. I love this game. If I could actually play it again, I would, which I probably will. Before number three comes out, I'm going to restart all mine. And play it on critical mode because for the PlayStation 4 they have a 1.5 um, remix. And I really, really love that because I was able to play all the games that I played for the PlayStation 2. And some of the handhelds. Um, another one that they have on that is uh, Birth by Sleep which we're going to talk about later on. Inside this you know little series of Kingdom Hearts. I would say I recommend this game uh, 8.5 out of 10 for me. Uh, I liked it a lot. It wasn't the best best, but I did like it a lot, so I do recommend it to people. So if you can, try to play either an emulator of it or buy the game and support the company on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3. You can't buy it for PlayStation 2 anymore unless you go on an eBay or Amazon. So if you're going to do that, then go ahead. Just definitely play that game. Um, Play actually all of them. If you can get a whole entire collection of Kingdom Hearts, I would say definitely get that. I thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to my Kingdom Hearts series talk, I guess. And I will catch you next episode when we talk about Kingdom Hearts 2. And thank you very much to Juice for helping me out technical-wise because she actually helps me out with everything. And if you want to catch her, she's going to wind up shouting out all her freaking little tiny social media is right now so here you go juice i'm passing torch what's going on guys uh you can find me on youtube youtube.com slash juices random vlogs you can also find me on instagram at j.fresh912 you can also find me on twitter at juicyfresh912 yeah that's pretty much it all righty now me myself i'm just gonna let you let us know about me i'm freaking stoned so I did this in my spare time because I love you guys. 
and I want you guys to know exactly what I do and what I love. And Kingdom Hearts is definitely one of them. And definitely check out the E3 trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3 that came out during E3 not too long ago. So check that out. And it has a whole bunch of new worlds and updated things from all the events that have happened with Disney. And it's just phenomenal so far. Hopefully the gameplay suits it. People are giving it good reviews as far as I know. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Love and peace. Catch you on the flip side.